This is a fresh agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work. Here is Christina Mendonca. This is a fresh agenda where we chat with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. I'm Christina Mendonca, and welcome to this little spot in the digital universe. Glad to have you here for a while. Today, we're going to talk about being smacked in the face by life. Finding out what we thought we wanted isn't actually what we want. I have to say, I've been very fortunate in that my experiences with this haven't been personally identity changing and that my pivots professionally have all felt right without too much inner turmoil. But that isn't the case for many people close to me and certainly is not the case for my guest today. Our guest is Jamie Wright, also known as the very worst missionary. How she got that name is a story she'll tell in our interview, but her journey starts in 1997. As she puts it, that was the time that she marched out of the suburbs and into the world of Christian missions, wide-eyed and altruistic. Um, she is still altruistic, not so wide-eyed anymore though. On the surface, her writing is about faith and lifestyle, but she actually says it is a deconstruction of faith and failure. Why is it that some of us write really well when we're struggling personally? Jamie and I talk about that a little bit. If you're a journalist or a novelist or any kind of writer, you have to write no matter your mood. Each day I have stories to file, I have clients to create for, and I don't have the choice of being in the mood to create. That's the tricky thing about creativity. If you wait just for the mood to strike you, you're not gonna create that much. Writing or creating every day results in some crap for sure, but it also gives you the best chance to create something great. Jamie started as a blogger, creating every day for a newsletter, even when she didn't feel like it so much. So I encourage you to do something creative each day. If writing is not your thing, find something that you don't hate and create. My latest guru, James Altucher, who I'm trying to get on the podcast, is fantastic at giving us exercises for creativity. One of the things he suggests is, is writing down 10 ideas each day. He says most of them are going to suck, but over the course of the year, you'll get some interesting gems out of this exercise. They don't have to be life-changing, world-hunger-solving ideas, just 10 every day. My 10 ideas were all about how to creatively wish my daughter happy birthday today because she is living in Australia and won't be home for a very long time. And I'd love to do something to delight her and make her happy. Yesterday, I wrote down 10 ideas for interesting podcast guests. And last week, it was 10 ideas for science fiction novels. So I have no theme and you don't have to have a theme. Just pick a topic and write 10. I'll let you know in a year if I came up with anything worth running with. Here's one good idea though. If you need drone video, I've got just the team for you. New Age Aerial, they provide more than a bird's eye view. They capture beautiful vistas, breathtaking overviews, and an understanding of how things look from above. From film to commercial photography and video, the drone team at New Age Aerial can get you what you need for a fraction of the cost of hiring a pilot in plane. They are experienced flyers. Government agencies trust them during crises. They can set up drones with guided monitoring from an engineer on the ground to get you exactly the photos and video you need to solve your big problem. Not only do they have the tech skills, they are artists as well. They create, they get those unforgettable scenic shots that open movies, show off that piece of property or thrill at the beginning of a large business presentation. We're thrilled to have them as a sponsor of the show because they are innovators of drone technology in use. New Age Aerial, check them out online at newageaerial.com. Mention us, a fresh agenda, and they'll take great care of you. 
Now my conversation with Jamie Wright, the very worst missionary. Jamie joins me now. Jamie, thanks for being here. How is the book doing? You're, it's going crazy on Amazon. You've got like a ton <laughs> of reviews. Yeah, it's actually doing, I, I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if who else is surprising to, but it's surprising to me. It's doing surprisingly well. It's, yeah, it's kind of made its way out into the world and, um, I think some people like it. So, yeah. That's fantastic. I, your fandom is loving it. I know because you have like 200 reviews and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, they're, and they're great. I think it really speaks to a lot of what people are going through, uh, you know, just w- in terms of their religious life and how they feel about spirituality versus any particular organized church. Yeah, and that's the thing. I do think it resonates pretty deeply with a certain niche segment of spiritual people who have sort of been disenchanted by um, maybe what they grew up with in the church or um, or even just encountered as adults and kind of have, have maybe felt like they need to walk away or to change something. And yeah, so I think it just sort of like resonates. Well, I'm just kind of to back up a little bit because um, I have done another podcast with you and we've done stories with you. But for those who are just kind of hearing you for the first time that aren't familiar with um, you on Instagram, which are all over Instagram and and mm-hmm. hugely Insta famous. But um, let's back up a little bit. And uh, I know I don't want to give away a lot of what's in the book, but I'll start from here. You were a mild mannered suburban young mom and wife of a missionary who thought, hey, let's go to Costa Rica. Do the Lord's work. See what happens. So what you happened? Um, well, it turned out that was a really dumb idea. <laughs> uh, you know, to go from like suburban soccer mom um, with three kids. Uh, my my spouse was a, a cop, and we just decided, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go move our family to Costa Rica, and we're gonna go serve God and serve people. And I don't know what we really thought, but we we genuinely there was a genuine desire to kind of change the world or to do good or to make an impact. Um, and so we did that. We sold everything we owned and we packed up our kids and we trucked them off to a foreign country. And once we got there um, and I became sort of familiarized with the missionary establishment, it just became clear that, gosh, we're not actually doing any good. <laughs> we're just here, you know, being paid by other people who are really well-intentioned. We all want to do something nice to the world. Um, but we're, you know, got into the mission field and realized, gosh, you know, a lot of missionaries are super weird um, and not like they're just not normal people. And um, and also that that it's it's kind of arrogant to show up in someone else's country and culture and um, think that you maybe know what's best for them. What um, did you think it was going to be like? Did you think that they would welcome you with open arms and and that what you had to say would be really really well received? To be fair, they did open us or welcome us with open arms, and we were well received because Costa Ricans are lovely and kind, and um, and because in general people are good. Um, but it was more just the it was more the underlying um, the underlying message I felt like that our presence created. It wasn't that people that they were like, "Why are you here? We don't want you here." It was. It was that we assumed we should be there, and and also almost because we assumed we should be there, and we came with so much money and so much power and influence because we're relatively wealthy white middle class Americans, um, that we belonged there. Like it was sort of the assumption on everybody's part that oh they must have something to give us or must have something to say or must have something to teach, when in fact um, Costa Rica is a, a beautiful country full of brilliant people and they are. Um, 
really doing a great job all on their own. <laughs> right, right. What was the turning point for you that you thought, you know, that that you thought you could be something other than what was expected of you there? What was that turning point? Um, well, <laughs> there, there, it was a, it was a number of things, but um, there were a few things. I was really struggling as a person. I mean, I just, I had severe depression. Have always struggled with depression. So once I got into Costa Rica, I, I really kind of fell apart and um, didn't want to leave my house. Didn't want to get dressed. Didn't want to participate in life. Um, you know, silly things like that. And. And so I just thought, I'm going to communicate. I'm going to become the writer. I'm going to communicate to our family and friends. And I'm just going to like write newsletters because that's the thing that missionaries do. They write newsletters, making their lives look like fabulous and important and, and making every little thing they do sound so eternal and spiritual. Um, and so I took that on as my job because it was easy and I didn't have to get dressed. And so while I was doing that, I was having all of these other experiences that were really opening my eyes to kind of like gosh, I don't know if we're doing this right. And I don't know if we belong here. And I don't know, I don't know what the answers are. And, um, and so I did end up kind of opening up and talking about that um, and, and sort of pulling back the curtain on the missionary lifestyle. Um, and it wasn't entirely well received. <laughs> right, right. Um, you told me about a couple of emails you got after, you know, really talking about your struggles with it and and struggle not only personally, but struggle with the mission and what you were supposed to be doing there. Yes, yes. In fact, that was um, a pretty big turning point for me in, in this whole process where I was trying to figure out, like, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I here for? Um, I had this experience where um, I actually what happened was I was sitting in my house and I was like drinking my coffee and scrolling Facebook, um, which in missionary land is called, um, you know, communications. <laughs> um, so scrolling Facebook and I went to use the bathroom and when I dropped my drawers, there was a, there was a gecko, um, on my, on my thigh, like under my pants, it was in my pants and it was stuck on my leg, like right by my business. Right. And I lost my mind <laughs> went like, you know, well, yeah, lost my mind, ran back into my living room, reached out and had this heart to heart with God. And then I wrote this story. I shared this story, um, on the blog that I was writing, like our family blog. And, um, and when I, when I shared the story, I used a few expletives because that is what you do when you have a lizard in your pants. Um, and this gal wrote back to let me know that she was like appalled. Like, how dare I? How dare I say? How dare, I, how dare you be real? Exactly. Like, how dare I express these words in this very traumatic moment? Um, and she called me the worst kind of missionary. She said, You are the worst kind of missionary. You're giving all missionaries a bad name. And she pulled her $50 a month from support from us. And she was like, I can't be part of this. And I was like, cool, bye. And, um, but, but really like getting that email from her, was such a turning point for me because it really forced me to decide like what I was doing um, with these words that I was putting out into the world and with this experience that I was receiving and, um, and kind of like, oh, guess what? People can get mad at me and it's okay. Like I can say things about 
missions. I can say things about myself. I can talk about mental health and depression. I can talk about how much parenting sucks. I can talk about how hard marriage is. I can talk about all of these things, including how bad the church has become and the things that it's doing to the world and I'll live and it will be fine. Um, and so I went back to my blog and I changed the title. Thanks to this gal's email, I changed the title to The Very Worst Missionary, and the rest is history. Right. You know, I, I talked to so many people. I, we talked to innovators and entrepreneurs and thought leaders on this podcast. And, you know, they all mentioned if you want to be, uh, want to push yourself creatively, you have to put content out there and let it be judged. Mm-hmm. And and you did that. And it was judged in a way that, you know, um, propelled you instead of discouraged you. What in you made it propel you instead of discourage you? You know, I think I think part of that is just who I am. Like, I think I was kind of born that way, but I also was raised, um, I was raised Jewish until I was about eight or nine years old or actually a little bit older. And there, so my perception of God and who God is has always felt a little different to me than what I walked in and found in the, in the kind of suburban mega church. Um, I was familiar with a God who loves our questions. Um, And so I never had that fear of like, I have all these questions. I have these questions about God. I have questions about the church. I have questions about my place and all of that. Um, And then also I, as a teenager, was just sort of a mess and, you know, promiscuous and lost and just like needing help and love. And, um, and so really kind of did a lot of dumb things and those dumb things translated into kind of a, 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 a little bit of like a badass exterior shell, which when I was a teenager was really unhealthy. Like it was like this terrible, like, Oh, she's just protecting herself (laughs) um, from all of these scary things. But um, I think as an adult, both of those things that the, my introduction to God as a child and then kind of my, um, the self that I was trying to become as a teenager, both of those things sort of translated really well for me as an adult in that I'm not afraid to ask questions and that like exterior toughness did find a place to settle. It settled in my soul somewhere. And so I do have genuinely thick skin. Like I don't care what people think about me. I really, really don't. Um, for me, that hur- the hurdle of talking about missions and all of these things openly within the church was more about like, how is this, what is this going to cost my family? Because we were missionaries and we were dependent upon the church for a paycheck. Um, and what is it going to cost? the mission and, you know, all these things, but, but ultimately, um, I have a very deep abiding need to tell the truth and to be honest. And, um, that just trumped everything. And so the com- the combo deal is kind of like who I am. Um, and what I really felt like I was being called to do was kind of like, well, you're this person. I can take pushback. I can take criticism. I love to engage in these hard conversations. Like I, I, it get, brings me joy. Um, and so that combined with just kind of this, um, this settling in Costa Rica and seeing all of these things that nobody was talking about, it was just the perfect storm to kind of create this, this place where I just say the things and we see what happens. <laughs> 
Wow. You know, it, you you said it along in there that you don't really care what people think about you. And and when you read your book and, and talk to you in person, I mean, you get that, that confidence. But you also are uh, insta-famous and huge on social media and really, really good at it. And that's an arena where people do care about what others think about them. How do you how do you rectify that in your in your person when you're out there on social media posting, um, talking and engaging a lot and pretty much I mean your writing career is due to social media because that's where you started mm-hmm. posting with your blog mm-hmm. so how do you how do you rectify those two um I don't <laughs> it's I feel the same about social media as I feel about anything else like what are you going to say to me that's going to like what could anyone possibly say to me that doesn't who doesn't know me personally like, who isn't my friend in real life who doesn't know my life and know my heart or know, like what are you going to do nothing like People can talk about the way that I look. They can talk about the decisions that I make. They can talk about um, my, even my family, which I, I don't generally highlight my family in social media, but um, it's just words. It's just words from strangers. Like it's, it's really so baseless um, in the greater scheme of things that I put very little value in, in that, in that. And the truth is social media is so unhealthy because you have these two extremes of one, and we love to talk about like trolls and how people troll us and oh, trolls are so mean and they're so dumb and there are these people hiding behind their keyboards. And that is, that can be really um, dangerous for a person if you only listen to the negative. But there's also these people that are like hyper in love with their um, idols. Like the fandom is so unhealthy um, that if you cling to or, or spend too much time thinking about either one of those two extremes, like the people that hate you too much or the people that love you too much, um, you're just not going to be a healthy person. So for me, kind of finding that middle space where there are people who push back out of thoughtfulness and um, genuine desire to engage in a conversation or expand expand a, a, the process of the, the, the whole conversation um, and people who genuinely are like, hey, I really appreciated this. That's okay. Like there's a really healthy space in the middle you kind of have to really ignore both extremes on either side of that. Because people are willing to say just horrific things. And we see it all the time just on Twitter. And, you know, people are fired for something they tweeted 10 years ago or, (laughs) you know, or or engage in these like amazingly just horrific conversations with each other on Twitter. I mean, especially Twitter for some reason. I I have to turn away from it sometimes because I just like I cannot go there with all of you right now. Twitter is a dumpster fire. It is such a terrible place. (laughs) I mean, like I know some of us, you know, you have to be there part of engaging in today's world. I mean, it's just part of the world that we live in, but oh my gosh, it's just so terrible. And the fact that things that we said, you know, 10 years ago, um, and granted, we need to be thoughtful. We need to be serious about the things that we put out into the world and um, how we treat people. And oh gosh, it's hard to find that place of like, where do we allow for human growth and evolution? And, and where do we just like really stick it to them? <laughs> Right, right. So would you say you're writing, um, you know, different authors have different motivations for writing. And I and you kind of talked about what in the beginning was your motivation. But now when you sit down to write, do you do it from a place of anger or or, or pain or gratitude or desire to help others? Where does that come from now when you sit down? Um, gosh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a really matter of fact person. I just feel like our stories 
have the capacity to, our stories connect us to other people. And um, so when I write, I don't really feel like this, this is what I'm going to try to get. I, I don't have this, like, I hope my reader gets this thing out of it. I sort of know that um, the people who I connect with or who connect with my writing, they're going to have their own translation and um, they're going to read into it, whatever they're carrying. And so I actually get accused a lot of being angry or bitter, um, which I'm not. I'm really just, it's not kind of who I am as a person. I'm very snarky and sarcastic, but that allows, like people will read into your words, what kind of their own, they'll project. Um, and that's okay with me as long as like they're, it's sort of helping their process and helping them think their thoughts. And I'm fine with that. But when I write, it's usually because, um, something was funny, <laughs> like it was a funny story and I think people need to know it. Um, or because it was, it was somehow transformative for me. And I just, I know that, that we, we connect with each other. And so when I tell a story and someone else gets to say like, Oh my gosh, me too. Like I've been there or I, that, um, that hit something in me, or I totally know what you mean, or I didn't, I didn't understand that that's what was happening in my life until I read it in your life. And now I know like, it's just that, that connection point, I think is what I, what I hope for. And, um, but I don't really have any like major expectations about what that will be because I think for everybody, it's kind of different. You know, we all get to these times in our lives where we see an alternate path. And for the most part, we say, hey, well, that looks good, but I may get down a way and get lost or I'm not really sure what's down there. Uh, the path I'm on is just safer to be on and I'm just going to stick on this path. You're really a great example of someone who said, screw it, I'm going to go down there and see what's up. And what have you found? How is your life different than you ever thought it would be at this point? Mm. <laughs> well, um, I can't even imagine my life if I hadn't gone down. So like if it, if it hadn't led to this and the beauty about like stepping off the path is that it's always right behind you. Like it's always there. You can always go generally go back. Not always, but, um, my life, I became a writer in Costa Rica. I was not a writer before I became a missionary. I was like, I'm going to go, I don't know, save the world. And instead, um, I was humbled and like, God, I don't know anything. And so in the process of, hashing out those thoughts, I learned that I'm a writer. Like that's a thing that I can do. And, um, it's kind of who I am. Um, and that translated into a career and my career has translated into all sorts of, um, freedoms and, um, hopes and dreams for the future that I just never would have imagined ever. And you know what's weird? The, the internet, this is going to sound dumb, but the internet told me I'm smart. Like the internet was like, Hey lady, you have something to say. Um, and that was life changing for me. Fascinating. Hmm. Um, where do you go to kind of replenish your creativity? I ask all of my guests this because everyone I talk to seems to be super creative. Uh, where do you, how do you replenish that? What do you do? Do you spend time with people? Do you spend time alone? Do you exercise? What do you do? Um, all of, all of that? <laughs> I don't know. I sort of like walk around in circles for a really long time around my house feeling like, I don't have anything to say. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a loser. I'm a waste of life. What am I doing? I do that for like hours and hours. And then um, one of my friends will call and say, come lay by my pool with me or um, I'll put on my gym shoes and yeah, go to the gym or I will go outside or I'll go on a hike with someone I love or um, 
or I'll read a book. That's a, a big thing is I'll, I'll finally sit down and be like, oh, I need to put some words in here. And that always helps. But for me, it's always just, it's more of just like finding a balance of all of those things. And that's when I'm at my most creative, when I have all of those cylinders firing, when I'm, when my body is healthy and my social life is healthy and my, my family and, you know, when there's like health and interaction and lots of um, liveliness and all of those spaces, then that's when I feel the most creative and ready to make something. Do you feel like in order to become what you have become so far and are still becoming, did you have to take small steps in the process or was it like a bandaid? You needed just to rip it off and go for it. Um, I feel like, I, I feel like there were moments where I felt like I was ripping off a bandaid, but in retrospect, it was a baby step, <laughs> you know, like, like changing the name of my blog to the Darren Horst missionary. It, but that felt like I am ripping off the bandaid. I'm really going for it. But now I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's cute. That's so cute. Um, so, you know, I, I, so I think it's kind of, kind of both feeling that bravery in the moment to do this thing that ultimately you're going to look back and go like, Oh, it was really not that big of a deal. Um, you know, it's, it's, when you think about like when you're a baby and you take a baby step, it's a really big deal. But when you're, you know, so, so for me, I think it's just that moment of like when you've never done something before or when it's the next, that next like hard thing that you have to do, it's going to feel so huge when you do it. But then in retrospect, you're going to be like, Oh, I've been taking steps for a really long time now. I'm really good at it. Do you find yourself giving advice to other writers? I mean, I know they, that people connect with you um, based on your book and what you've written about, which is missionary life and you, kind of your, your place in that and your perspective on it. Uh, what other kinds of things are people writing you about? What have been some interesting conversations that have started? Um, well, I do. I get questions about writing all the time, which I'm the last person to tell anyone how to write. I, I, literally, I stumbled into this. It was an accident. I accidentally became a writer. I know nothing about it. I don't know how to use commas. I'm like not a person that knows how to write. I just happen to do it. Um, and I'm not disciplined and I'm not a fast writer. And I, I mean, all the, I do everything wrong as a writer. Um, so I'm basically just very lucky, but, um, so usually when people ask me like writing questions, I'm like, go read bird by bird by Anne Lamott, or, you know, go read a writer's writing about writing. Um, but a lot, most people ask me about, they want my opinion on like their spiritual lives. Like they have a, you know, they don't know if they should go to seminary or they don't know if they should um, leave their abusive marriage, or they don't know if they should leave their church. Um, I get a lot of questions about that stuff. And then the big question, I think that everyone, I think we're all sort of wrestling through this is, is what's next for us? Like what's next for those of us who are sort of, marginalized, disenchanted, we're still Christians or we're still very spiritual, um, but we do not connect to um, what it, the, the evangelical American church. We find it disgusting or embarrassing or um, racist or any of those things. Um, you know, what's, what's next for us? What do we do? Where do we go from here? Um, and I don't, I, I don't have an answer for that. I think we're all figuring it out, but it's cool because there's a, there's a lot of us. We have a big tribe and we'll do it together. So, uh, well, if you may not know what's next for everyone, but what's next for you? What are you working on right now? What are you interested in? Are, are you going to stick with um, this theme for another book, perhaps, or or go a totally different direction? Um, 
I think that what's next will be the theme of, of my next book. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I came off the mission field with all of these kind of questions and disappointments and walked it back into a suburban church uh, where those questions and disappointments were compounded um, and sort of in wrestling through all of that and finding kind of who I am and where I fit into the world. Um, I came to understand that I needed to leave toxic things um, behind. And so left the church. And, and then I also, and I just announced this um, and in the middle of the divorce, so that's what's next. Um, and figuring out my career, which as a writer, just kind of like honing that in and seeing, but I, I think that what's next looks like a book about, um, about leaving. Yeah. Leaving a, a lot, leaving your old life oh. behind leaving. Yeah. A lot of things. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Yeah. Leaving missions, leaving church, leaving, you know, really, a really unhealthy marriage, leaving, you know, and not, and not like leave everything the end, but just kind of that, that process, because it did take me a while to kind of figure out and, and find permission to make those choices. And so I kind of want to, I kind of want to talk right. to that, I think. Well, it would be, it would be valuable because there are a lot of people who maybe feel like they want to leave, uh, don't really know how to, or, you know, take example or, or take inspiration from someone who has done it. Tell me where, uh, before I let you go, where people can engage with you. Um, obviously they can get your book on Amazon, uh, but where can they engage with you? Sure. Yeah. I'm easy to find. You can Google the very worst missionary or even like bad missionary, lame missionary, sucky missionary. If you do Google any of those things, you'll find me. Um, or you can find me on social media, um, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Jamie, the BWM, like BWM for very worst missionary. Jamie, the BWM on um, Facebook. I think I'm, I think it's just Facebook slash the very worst missionary or something like that, but easy to find. And um, yeah, I love connecting with people and my book is available everywhere books are sold. Excellent. So. Jamie, thank you so much for your time. We wish you uh, best of luck and would love to have you back after your next book to chat about that. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Jamie Wright, the very worst missionary. Check out her book by the same name and we look forward to her next effort. I have a great podcast suggestion for you before I go, especially if you like mysteries or you like true crime. But first, let me tell you about New Age Designs. You need a website built, you need SEO, SEM, Google Analytics. They can totally set this up for you. They have a deep understanding and respect for color theory, visual composition, page layout, general design theory. Uh, they've been working with some of the largest companies in the country for years, since the 80s. They know JavaScript, they know uh, center design, user-centered design. Uh, they lead business stakeholders through visual comps and wireframes, requirements gathering, and ultimately front-end development. So JavaScript, uh, jQuery, Bootstrap, Angular, etc. They are fantastic. New Age Designs, with an S, New Age Designs. Check them out and let them know that uh, we sent you a fresh agenda. Okay, now that podcast recommendation. One of my former television colleagues, Gabrielle Carroll, who is now an investigative reporter out of Portland, told me about a podcast by the LA Times called Dirty John. I feel a little bit late to the party because it's been out for a little while, but I listened to it twice on road trips this summer and just loved the format. 
loved the storytelling, and I would love to replicate it for a couple of cases that I've covered here uh, in the Northern California area while I still have all the contact information and, and, and people to talk to. It is a true crime serial podcast about a guy named John Meehan, a con man out of Southern California, and how he just terrorized one family. It is so well done. So if you're a super commuter with some time on your hands or you just want another podcast to listen to while working out or running errands, check it out. Just Google Dirty John. It'll pop right up. All right. Drop me a note to tell me how you liked it or how you liked our show today or if you like anything or that I do or want to hear more of something else. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me through my website, ChristinaMendonca.com. That is Christina with no H. C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, ChristinaMendonca.com. Let me know you're out there. Thanks for being here. This has been A Fresh Agenda. I look forward to our next time together. Let's stay connected. This is A Fresh Agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work.